As a boy, sometimes uh, on a Sunday drive or sometime during the weekend, my dad would just decide, you tell me where to go. We'd be in a car, we, we would, maybe would have been running an errand, he'd say, it's time. And uh, oftentimes it was, uh, I remember being on Sunday, and he would take any turn that we told him to take. Anything that, I mean, might not even have always been legal, I can't remember, I was quite young, I was quite a young boy. But he would seek to do whatever it is we told him to do. And it was the most fun, sort of adventurous uh, thing for my brother and I. We, uh, we ended up lost. We ended up on the very top of this hill in Bellevue, Washington, able to, to see all the way across the, uh, the, the lake to Seattle. There was a time when we found like a dirt road and horses like right in the middle of our town. We had no idea either of those things were still there. It was, uh, it was great. We loved the adventure of both not knowing and knowing that we were somewhere with my dad. It was it's excellent. And uh, in a certain way, this whole series, Dangerous Prayers, it's kind of like that. Maybe even today's passage especially. So uh, let's pray, shall we? And we'll get started. Uh, Lord, thank you for bringing us here together this morning. And Lord, you are always pleased whenever a heart is lifted up to you in prayer and in praise. And certainly, Lord, we also know we are especially glad when we get to be together to do that. So Lord, receive our, our offerings of, of praise and joy this morning. Lord, we also come to receive something from you, whether we are at home or here in the sanctuary. So we pray, Lord, that you would open up the eyes of our heart as it says in Ephesians. Lord, help us to sit ready to receive from you. For your word is good and pure and holy and living and active. And we want those things to be dwelling within us too. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For you are our Lord, rock and redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Can I just tell you, hi everyone, my name's Eric. Uh, I am one of the pastors here. And yeah, come on. And uh, just by sort of a, sort of a weird uh, set of circumstances, including uh, my leave this fall, I have not been able to preach in front of a live studio audience, so to speak, for almost exactly a year. The last time I was here in front of a congregation was the second week of February. And um, right after that, Daniel and I went on this uh, trip to visit and support and pray with our missionaries around the globe. And we came back to a pandemic. It kind of had followed us all the way around the globe. And by the time we got here, church was closed. And I just got to tell you, I'm just like, I have like goosebumps of joy to be uh, with you today. So yeah, come on. And you too. You, you, yeah, you too. Um, so uh, we are in this series uh, simply that we're calling uh, Dangerous Prayers. And what we're wanting to do is to call us into sort of a new kind of trajectory in our spiritual lives. So sometimes our prayers, can I be honest for a minute? 
are pretty inward focused. They're pretty lukewarm, tepid, kind of unsteady. But there are prayers, there are things that we can pray that actually are dangerous. We can say, Lord, take this starting material, whatever it is. Would you take this starting material, whatever I am, and, and would, you, would you take it? Would you search me and empower me? And today we're going to ask the Lord together and learn from his word. Lord, will you speak to me? See, there is a way to live as a spiritual person that is just merely personally spiritual. Everything about your spiritual life is sort of just about your own contentment, a growing sense of your own settledness. At the end, you're eager for your spirituality to primarily, really just serve you. For some, prayer becomes kind of like a spiritual NyQuil. You take it, it makes you feel better, but you're a little sleepy and you shouldn't drive, right? And what we're saying is actually we want a different kind of spirituality and prayer life to be present in our whole body of believers and and in each one of you and us corporately. There is a way for us to live in prayer spiritually that's much bigger there is a way for us to live in a way where we get to hear from the Lord. And we, we do get to be content, but we're content because we are in line with the heart and mind and cares and concerns of the Lord. We have sort of a, a renewed purpose and drive. We find ourselves more oriented around the plans and purposes of God. And this is a series about those kind of prayer. So let's just go straight to the text. First Samuel chapter 3. If you've brought a Bible with you or if you um, have it on your phone, I'll, I'll give you just a second to sort of find it. First Samuel is uh, in the Old Testament. And uh, let me give you just a little bit of context as we just read this short passage from the beginning of First Samuel. This is sort of a dark and troubling time in the history of Israel when it is pretty sort of early on, actually, in its history in the Promised Land. And there is uh, an old sort of experienced priest for all the people. His name's Eli. And he's had a sort of a troubled run of leadership. And his, uh, his boys have continued that troubled run in a certain way. And through a set of circumstances, you can read in the first couple of chapters of, of Samuel... Samuel, who at the reading of this text is probably about 12, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older. Um, he is a servant here in, uh, for Eli in this center for worship. He's young. He's, uh, he's inexperienced. He's actually been in the temple since he was, I don't know, I can't remember now, five or six. So let's read the text with those simple things. Eli is an old experienced mentor, maybe had to wear glasses like I just put on, and Samuel is uh, much younger. Um, Chapter 3, just the first 10 verses. Maybe you can hear the dangerous prayer when we get there. So that boy, Samuel, ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. 
One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. They had to keep a lamp on in the sanctuary in the evening. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling out at the, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak. For your servant is listening. Did you hear it? That dangerous prayer right at the end. And when I think about sort of developing and having a prayer life, when I think about what it means to be a person who's seeking to know and be known by and to walk with the Lord, there's some intersection between um, this passage and our experience in prayer that I wanted to point out to you. First one, this seems so important uh, to me to say a start. You don't need to wait to pray. You don't need to wait to pray. Here's what I mean by that. Many of you who are watching and many of you who are here, um, you are in better physical shape than I am. And certainly you can look in your life and say, there was at least a time when you were in much better physical shape than I am. And can I just tell you, oftentimes I'm tempted to, to not work out until I'm in better shape. Have you ever had that kind of a thought? You know, actually, I, I, I need to work out, but I'm not going to work out until I, I'm in slightly better shape. And I know that many of you would say to me, you'll maybe even, would, if we could have a time after this, having coffee, you'd say, Eric, that's not going to work out for you. I know. <laughs> but it's still kind of in my mind. I'm going to wait. So, friends, as a pastor, let me say to this, let me say this to you about developing a prayer life. When it comes to prayer, it doesn't work if you wait to start praying. It doesn't work. You don't need to become more intimate with God before you become closer to God in prayer. You don't have to wait. That's what we see here in Samuel. He, he's not close to God yet. In fact, what does it say? He's, it actually says that um, he did not yet know the Lord he didn't know the Lord. And friends, that's both important and, and hopeful and maybe even a bit of a warning to us. 
Here's one thing I want you to know, and you have to check your heart about this as you listen today. Friends, it's possible to worship the Lord and to serve the Lord without knowing the Lord personally. That's what we see here. Tamar does not yet know the Lord, though he spent the bulk of his life in the temple. See, Samuel had a religion, had a habit, had a practice, but not a relationship. It's also possible, like Samuel here, to to hear from God and not even recognize his voice. You think of it as like your conscience or self-thought or indigestion. That's so strange. I could never do that. I couldn't say that. I couldn't believe that. Friends, it may take time to learn how to recognize God's voice. But we don't ever get to recognize God's voice by waiting until we recognize God's voice. You see, the good news is Samuel didn't have to know God for God to know him. You see, it's hopeful, this little thing here that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, it's hopeful because it means you don't need to wait. You don't need to wait to begin to live a life of prayer in a whole new, fresh, bigger way. We are focused on learning how to be in relationship with the one who so lovingly made you and crafted you and knit you together. It's also a bit of a warning. Because, friends, you don't want to remain in that place. Samuel doesn't, he doesn't remain in that place. He doesn't have to remain in that place. You don't want to remain in that place. You don't want to remain in the place where you merely have religion and not relationship. Where you hear from the Lord, but you don't recognize his voice. When he is close to you, but you're not close to him. So it's both hopeful. God does not wait, but it's also a warning. Because we can find ourselves sort of oddly satisfied with a lukewarm and tepid spiritual life. Is that you? Let me say it again in case you've missed it. You don't need to wait. You don't need to wait. Do you know how many times over the years that I've been here and in my previous work in working with uh, teenagers when I was in Berkeley, California, I'd be sitting with someone and I'd ask them how things are between them and the Lord. What's happening with you? How are you? Can I tell you what usually happens more often than not? The person that I ask kind of mumbles about how, yeah, I know they, you know, they know they should be spending a little bit more time. They should be working harder at their faith. Most say, yeah, I wish I just was more spiritual, but I just don't know. I just, I, I just don't like, I don't, I don't, I, uh, yeah. What was the question? <laughs> Most imagine that there is a, a mountain of spirituality to climb before God is willing to get close. So usually people, they just kind of, when I ask the question, they, they self-flagellate. They just beat themselves up 
you know, I'm just not, I'm just not much of a prayer. I, 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 I know I should just know a lot more. I, maybe I should just, maybe I should start again. I know I, I need to get better. Friends, what I want you to know is what's really holding you back is your own sense of inadequacy and assuming that your inadequacy is not enough. And what we see here in this passage is actually your inadequacy is the right starting point. That's what we see here. God is not waiting for you to measure up before he sidles up next to you. He's already there, but we don't, we don't think that way. We're, we're, we're pretty sure there's more for us to do first. I have to get fit before I can get fit. But what we see in this tiny little moment here, when, when Jesus, when the Lord calls out to Samuel, simply is this. We see the gospel. We see God's presence. We see the grace of Jesus Christ. We see the hope of the Holy Spirit. See, friends, we don't have to wait because God doesn't. God says to Samuel, before Samuel knows him at all, Samuel. What we see in the Gospels, actually, is before the disciples know Jesus at all, before they've really rested at all with who he is, Jesus comes up to them and says, follow me. He doesn't say, you've, you've done enough like spiritual push-ups, now you can follow me. He says, just follow me. The rest we'll figure out together. So friends, as we think about dangerous prayers, you don't have to wait to pray them. See, God is already for you. This is what we see when we look at this passage of this 12-year-old, inexperienced, non-spiritual boy. God already is next to him. You don't have to prepare. You don't have to get ready. Train extra hard. See, what we see here is to pray requires no waiting at all. No preparation. God is already ready for you. You don't need to wait. So don't. See, Samuel, one of the things I've been so encouraged by in this passage, and this passage has meant a lot to me um, over the years, this first three chapters, actually, of Samuel. Um, Samuel's not a, he's not a pro. He's not a pro prayer. He's not awesome at it. He, there's so much he doesn't know. He doesn't have a relationship with the Lord yet. And in the middle of that, there still are some things that maybe we should think through a little bit. Maybe we can uh, learn from this um, rookie in prayer. Whether you think of yourself as a rookie or not, these are probably some pretty good reminders for you. One of the things simply is this. We might want to allow some space to listen. We might want to allow some space to listen. So here's the thing that I want you to sort of know and uh, to recognize. Did you notice that Samuel got this wrong a couple times? In his own sort of listening to the Lord, he, he misunderstood who it was. He springs up and he runs to Eli. You called? You called? What do you, what do you want? I'm here. No, Eli says three times, actually three times. Go back to bed. And here's something I want you to notice. It's really important. I want you to notice that the 
scripture, this story of Samuel's first interactions with God, the Bible does not diminish or mock or castigate Samuel for not recognizing God's voice. Oftentimes we're so worried we're going to get it wrong and then lightning bolts and it's all over for us. But what we see here actually is, is Samuel simply is like, gets it wrong. But he keeps on actually putting himself in a position simply to listen. Puts himself simply in a position to listen. And can I just tell you, I know how hard that is. Uh, this, is my, uh, this is my iPhone usage uh, for the week. Can we get this up? It's maybe a little bit hard to see. I'm sorry about that if you're uh, here in the sanctuary especially. Let me, let me just tell you what you're looking at here. On the far left there is my, my average usage of uh, my, all of my devices um, per day. I'm on some sort of a screen right now last week, seven hours a day. That's, you know, Zoom and all those. Other. I was like, that is a lot. Is that true? So I went and I looked at the actual like sort of app by app and it's true. A lot of time um, on Zoom and FaceTime, Kindle. Um, that one in the middle there is how many times did I pick up my phone to look at it? How many times did I simply just pick it up? When I was awake, how many times? And you might know this, every time you pick it up, it actually takes your brain quite a while to get refocused after you put it down again. It's an important indicator of how distracted of a life you have, or in this case, I have. And I picked it up um, 89 times a day when I was awake. That turns out to be a little bit more than five times an hour, about once every 12 minutes, if, it was like, if that's how it worked out. And uh, the one on the far right are how many notifications my phone tells me, uh, you know, when it rings at me about something. And I got an average, you know, text messages and calendar updates and all those other things, 177 times a day uh, on average just last week. Um, wow. I know how hard it is to listen. I know. See, what has oftentimes become a tool for me has sometimes becomes the master. And there's like this incessant, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And so we find ourselves kind of barraged by, by media and messages and calendar updates and news things and headlines and entertainment. And it goes on and on and on and on. And what turns out actually becomes increasingly difficult to listen to anything else. And it's not just a sort of a problem that's out there. It's a problem actually that's in here. It might be good to put ourselves in a position to simply listen. So, you know, some of you are at home. I don't think anyone's here. I can't see anyone doing it here. At home, someone's probably already checking like their own usage. I bet they are. Let me ask you to think about this. Is there some way you can simply in your day intentionally carve out where the, the only thing that you're doing is what Samuel has done? Yes, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. Is there some part of your day where you can intentionally say, this is the only input that I'm going to receive? I'm just going to sort of, you know, put the phone down. I'm going to literally turn it off. Or put it in the other room in silent mode. Whatever I need to do so that I simply have this time speak 
I'm listening. See, to grow in prayer, from a human perspective, God's ready. He's not waiting. But it also might be good for us to create some space to put ourselves in a position to listen. It's impossible for me to not recall this psalm in this moment. This is from Psalm 46, verse 10. Quite simply, be still and know that I am God. In his own prayer and preparation in the writing of this psalm, the, the psalmist hears from God who simply says, look, I want you to be still. Take a little time for me. Know that I am God, he says. It might be time to learn from Samuel. You're not going to get it right. And that's okay. He doesn't at first recognize his voice. And that's okay. But he keeps on putting himself in a space where he can listen. Where his heart is open. Can you do that this week? Think you're able to do that? This week, just right now, make a little plan. Before your coffee, with your coffee, as you're preparing for your evening ritual, what is it? Because the Lord's waiting and present. Finally, this is the one other thing we sort of notice and we learn from Samuel. That's important. It's been important for me. And that simply is this. The, um, the theme for Samuel is service, not serve us. The primary theme that we see here, yes, Eli, yes, Eli. And then as he's actually speaking to the Lord, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak. There's this invitation for us to recognize that God is God and we are not. But oftentimes, isn't it true that actually we come in prayer with more of a little spirit of serve us? Lord, do this thing for me. Take care of this. Like, smite that person. You know, bless me here. Do that. Remove this person from this circumstance. Block and tackle for me in this way, God. Serve me, serve me, serve me. This is the worry in my life. And what I want you to know, friends, is because of his deep and abiding love for us, actually, God will do that. God is doing that. You see, what we learn from the Gospels, actually, is, is for Jesus, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Matthew 6 reminds us that in the middle of all the cares and concerns that we have, he's, he, he cares for us more and supplies for us more than he does the sparrows. He clothes us and provides for us and nurtures us in a, a way that's much more glorious than the lilies in the field. See, we can let our prayers hover there. Serve us, Lord. Serve us, Lord. Serve us, Lord. But we will be missing something much better than simply spiritual pez. See, when we open ourselves up, take some time and say, Lord, speak. I am your servant. Then we get to know the mind of the Lord, not just tell him ours. We get treasures of insight. We get confidence, a sense of purpose that we can get no other way.
So come before the Lord, as we see Samuel does here, and simply say, Lord, I am your servant. See, we do that. We take a risk, but we also take a really worthwhile risk. See, it's, how is this dangerous, we wonder? Like, this sounds good. Like, I just say, speak, Lord. I'm your servant. Let me, let me have it. What really actually is dangerous about that? Well, in part, I want you to notice before I even get to that, it's like it does recognize and sort of live into this pattern that we've been teaching us throughout the year. God speaks, we listen, and we respond. God speaks, we listen, and we respond as a servant. And that, my friends, is gloriously richly because guess what? It takes you out of the driver's seat. Someone else is directing the adventure of your life. So here's just some things I want you to notice about a servant that might feel risky to you as you learn to like, step into this prayer. One of the things you need to know is this, is servants serve. They don't always know why. And oftentimes we simply say, Lord, that sounds like a good idea for someone else. And maybe for me once I understand why. You ever done that? You've had a little tickle on the back of your mind about something. Something you know you're supposed to call someone. Stop and address that person. Say the awkward thing to the person who's in front of you in the grocery store. Whatever it is, you're like, mm, 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 I, I don't really know why I would do that. And so I'm not going to. Done that? It's like, Lord, if you're my king, are you going to make me be awkward? Sometimes. Because he's more worried about hearts than social convention. The Lord is more worried about hearts than social convention. We don't always get to know why. Similarly, we don't always actually get to know the final result. We don't get to know what's going to happen next or next or next after the thing that we're being told we're supposed to do. So we just know that we have like, had this prompting where the Lord has said to us while we've been waiting, you need to go volunteer with middle school students. You need to mentor two of them. You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But it doesn't go away. And partially it doesn't go away because you don't get to know the final story. What you don't know is all that time spent throwing like a dodgeball at an 11-year-old boy strangely conveys love to him that sparks a curiosity when, when he's a freshman in college and he finds his mind sort of pricked open in some way where you discover, or he discovers rather, he's supposed to be an engineer to then go to some boy in the heart of Africa to save tens of thousands of lives of people who have had no clean drinking water. And to you, it just seems maybe silly and demeaning that you just would let an 11-year-old boy throw dodgeballs at you. But the Lord is already working on something way past which you get to know about. And friends, that's why this is a dangerous prayer is because as a servant, we don't always get to know those things. We don't get to know the why or the outcome. So, friends, we are uh, going to spend just a few minutes uh, in prayer here after we sing a song.
it's going to sort of echo out of this idea that we simply would say, emulate this week, speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. And to do that, and for us to have a chance to not only just pray the things that we can think of, but whatever is actually going on in the congregation, we're going to ask you to text this number, whether you're here or you're um, watching somewhere else. Here it is, 720-722-2372. We're going to ask you to uh, simply sort of send the things that are on your heart. Speak, Lord. Here are the things that I want to lift up before you. Here's the things I want to hear from you. And then after, uh, we'll take some time during this song to receive those. And then after this song, we will um, we'll pray together. Let me close quickly in prayer now. Lord, I am quite confident, not because of me, but as a gift of the power of the Holy Spirit, that people here right now want to hear from you in a new way. So, Lord, speak to us. We, your servants, are listening. Amen.